pastel pink mansion with a swimming pool, landscaped garden, and double car garage. No, it's not Barbie's dream house. And yes, it is haunted. Sound like the home for you? Well, if you're in the market for a haunted house, you've come to the right place. I'm Caitlin Blackwell-Baines. Welcome to Haunted Homes. Fourteen seventy-three, St. James Court, Louisville, Kentucky. A much-loved Louisville landmark nestled in the heart of the old town, this six-bedroom, 5,000-square-foot turn-of-the-century manor has long been the envy of locals and tourists alike. Situated at the corner of St. James and Belgravia Court, the so-called Pink Palace is perhaps the most recognizable house in Louisville's most elegant residential neighborhood. Scores of looky-loos have encountered the great pink behemoth on walking tours of the popular St. James Belgravia Historic District. Countless others have seen it on visits to the St. James Court Art Show, an annual juried fine arts exhibition that began in the late 1950s, with local artists displaying art on clotheslines in the centre greens. It has now become one of the biggest shows of its kind, attracting the largest crowds for any event in Kentucky. Despite the excessive foot traffic, the Pink Palace retains a surprising degree of privacy. When viewed from the street, few could guess that behind its imposing and highly visible facade is a large private garden and swimming pool. This is perhaps its best-kept secret. Other supposed secrets, however, have been making the rounds for years. Its hauntedness is, by now, common knowledge. According to legend, this special house harbors a special kind of spirit. A crisis apparition, or a ghost with a warning, has been reported by more than one previous occupant. Directly before a dramatic or potentially dangerous event, a tall, patrician-looking gentleman in black makes a solemn appearance. Startled by his unexpected arrival, the living inhabitants of the mansion are subsequently made aware of an ensuing threat house fires, and home intruders, to name a few. But more on the supernatural security feature later. First, a bit about the local area. Louisville, and it is pronounced Lou-a-ville by locals, is a city steeped in history. The oldest city west of the Appalachian Mountains, the settlement was founded in 1788 by George Rogers Clark, the highest-ranking American military officer on the Northwestern Front during the American Revolution. Clark is often referred to as the Conqueror of the Old Northwest for his role in securing the region northwest of the Ohio River for the Patriots. 
but rather than Clarkville, the city is named in honor of King Louis XVI of France in recognition of French support during the Revolution. Today, Louisville is home to over 600,000 residents. A sizable city ranking as the 28th most populous settlement in the U.S., Louisville comes with many of the familiar trappings of a major metropolis. A university, an airport, a large sports arena, appropriately named after the hometown chain Kentucky Fried Chicken, and several skyscrapers make it a fairly typical American city. Yet, it also boasts many notable distinctions. It is the home of the world-famous Kentucky Derby horse race, the Louisville Slugger baseball bat brand, and the birthplace of heavyweight champion Muhammad Ali, for whom the regional airport is named. What's more, the old Louisville neighborhood where the Pink Palace now stands is reportedly the largest historic preservation district solely featuring Victorian homes and buildings in the United States. Popularly known as the Gateway to the South in reference to both the city's geographical location and cultural legacy as an intersection between the North and the South, Louisville was always destined to be an important center. This is partly because of its location along the Ohio River, nearby the Falls of Ohio, a natural obstruction on the river's route to the Gulf of Mexico. It thus became a portage site where boats and cargo had to be offloaded to navigate around the falls. It quickly grew into a major shipping port where enslaved African Americans worked in a variety of associated trades. Later, it ironically became a popular escape point for fugitive slaves on the run to the free state of bordering Indiana. During the Civil War, Louisville was a major stronghold for Union forces, though long after the war, it would continue to struggle with race relations and civil rights issues, with segregationist laws and ordinances firmly dividing a would-be multicultural metropolis. To be sure, the swanky, upscale community where the Pink Palace was built in 1891 was about as white bread as they come. In fact, the neighbourhood was inspired by the poshest parts of Victorian London, from which it borrowed its street names. St. James, Belgravia and Kensington Court, all named for the most exclusive boroughs of Britain's booming capital. The designer, William Slaughter, even incorporated central squares adorned with fountains, benches, and elegant paths, just like the leafy London suburbs. 1473 St. James Court was first known not as the Pink Palace. In fact, it wasn't pink until some time later, but instead as the Casino. This is a slightly confusing moniker because at this time, a casino referred not to an establishment devoted exclusively to gambling, but to a site where general socializing, drinking, and dancing might take place. More specifically, this was a gentleman's club where the well-to-do lads of Victorian Louisville might escape the responsibilities of professional and family life and partake in some light conversation, heavy drinking, and perhaps even an extramarital affair with one of Louisville's ladies of the night. We don't know much about these hedonistic early days of the Pink Palace, but rest assured, they were colourful. The Gilded Age of the St. James Belgravia district didn't last long. Soon, the seeds of decline took root. Changes in transportation, cars, trains and streetcars, and increased costs for domestic help made these properties less desirable within a few decades of being built. Later, the Great Depression and the Ohio River flood of 1937 
helped accelerate the decline. But long before that, there was this. A report in the April 23, 1893 issue of the Courier-Journal stating that a Mr. and Mrs. George Avery are now occupying their new residence, the casino, out in St. James Court. George Avery. Remember this name, as he may or may not be the Pink Palace's stoic guardian angel. In life, George Avery was a prominent Louisville businessman who, in 1873, had taken over the reins on his father's successful farm equipment company, B.F. Avery & Sons, once one of the largest agricultural manufacturers in the country. George's fortune was made on the back of the Agricultural Revolution, providing plows, threshers, and motorized tractors for a rapidly modernizing industry. Avery married one Kate Schindler Jewett, daughter of a prosperous New York farmer, in 1891, after years of bachelorhood. On the occasion of their wedding, the Courier-Journal remarked that Avery had kept out of matrimony so long that his friends looked upon him as almost a confirmed bachelor. The Averys quickly became a Louisville power couple, with George serving as vice president and secretary of the Avery Plowing Company, and Kate emerging as a prominent figure in the arena of political activism. She was a passionate campaigner for women's suffrage and the abolishment of child labor. They were a clever pair, George and Kate, the former, an MIT-educated inventor with a flair for dreaming up new innovations in farming technology, and the latter a powerful public speaker who managed to land the presidency of both the Louisville Women's Club and the Women's Emergency Association. Little is known about their time spent living in 1473 St. James Court, though they do seem to have welcomed their first and only child, Juliet, there in 1893. Notably, however, they only resided at the home for about four years before selling the property in 1897. Given their big personalities, perhaps they left an enduring impression of themselves there years after they left. Certainly, later occupants could swear they'd seen George Avery in the proverbial flesh. But it is worth mentioning that Avery not only didn't live at 1473 St. James Court at the time of his death, he wasn't even in the country. He died of heart failure in 1911 at his chateau in Galafontaine, France. So why should he still be kicking around the Pink Palace? Local journalist Andrew Henderson has mused, perhaps Mr. Avery made the thousand-mile trek across the Atlantic Ocean back to Louisville and took up residence in his old house. Well, maybe. It is pretty nice. At any rate, 1473 St. James Court had scores of other occupants over the years, including private owners, public organizations, and renters. One of its more surprising occupants was the Women's Christian Temperance Union, a national non-profit group devoted to the promotion of sober living. The story goes that in disdain for the building's former use as a den of inequity, the ladies painted the palace a pretty shade of pale pink, perhaps to denote its newfound innocence and femininity. This is debatable, however, since the story is usually coupled with the erroneous date of 1910 for the pink paint job and the arrival of its puritanical residents. In fact, the temperance union didn't take up tenancy until 1947. So while we don't know when or why the house was painted pink, we do know when it developed a reputation for being haunted. By the 1970s, the pink palace had been converted into apartments. At this time, 
an undergrad at the University of Louisville named Jenny Dickerson occupied the basement apartment, presumably the most affordable for a poor student. One night, in her kitchen, Jenny was surprised to stumble upon a tall, dark figure. An aristocratic-looking gentleman, about six feet tall, with crisp white hair and a cleanly shaven face, wearing an old-fashioned black suit and string tie. If this weren't weird enough, she was even more dumbfounded by the fact that she could see right through him. It was a shock, but strangely enough, she wasn't that scared. I concluded, therefore, that I had seen a ghost, which, of course, seemed the most logical explanation under the circumstances. It was quite an earth-shattering moment for me, because I had never believed in that kind of thing, and now I'd seen one for myself, and had to believe. Following this earth-shattering moment, Jenny carried on as though nothing had happened. She drew herself a bath and settled in for a nice, relaxing soak, only to be disturbed once again by the ghostly intruder who, this time, was standing in the bathroom doorway. Again, she wasn't exactly afraid of the man, but something told her to curtail the soak and jump out of the bath immediately. And thank heaven she did, for no sooner had she lifted herself out of the tub, a cement block came crashing through the window, landing precisely where she had just been bathing. Two burglars were trying to break into my apartment, Jenny recalls. They had taken a big cement block and threw it through the window right above the bathtub. It would have killed me, without a doubt. So Jenny was apparently the first to encounter the helpful spirit, and also the first to dub him Mr. Avery. She claims that no one ever told her about the home's former owner, but somehow the name came to her and it's always stuck. Louisville journalist Andrew is skeptical, though. He points out that while the so-called Mr. Avery's description roughly matches up with photographs of old George, he still seems like a somewhat unlikely candidate for the haunting of 1473 St. James Court. As we know, he only lived there for a few years and died thousands of miles away. But more than that, Andrew argues, George Avery led a comfortable and successful life, and it doesn't make sense as to why he of all people would continue haunting our mortal plane. But who else could it be? Well, maybe a later occupant. One Judge James Parker Gregory, who resided at the Pink Palace from 1927 to 1940, perhaps. Though his photographs don't match up with Jenny's description exactly, he did live at the house for a lot longer, and, even more crucially, he did die there. What's more, at the time of his death, he was potentially disgruntled, giving him extra incentive to stick around in the world of the living. He had recently been elected judge of the Chancery Branch of the Jefferson Circuit Court, but due to his unexpected death, he never got the opportunity to really leave his mark professionally. Intriguingly, Judge Gregory's wife and daughter continued to live at the home for several years after his passing, meaning he had still more reason to stick around. Andrew even posits that young Jenny may have reminded the judge of his beloved daughter, and therefore he felt a sense of duty to protect her. But the unidentified specter also felt inclined to protect others. He allegedly appeared to a later occupant in their own kitchen. This time, he was tipping the resident off to some faulty wiring that later caused a fire. Indeed, it's believed that over the years, the ghost has been on hand to help out in all sorts of jams, though it's unclear just how frequently Pink Palace residents have found themselves in such dire situations. This intervening spirit certainly doesn't seem to shy away from trouble. However, there is one domestic drama he's managed to keep out of the color controversy. 
The Pink Palace, of course, wouldn't be what it is without its trademark pink pigment. That's what's put it on the map. And for the most part, the residents of St. James Court have accepted this without question. But there's pink, and then there's really, really pink. Some neighbours took serious issue when, in 1998, then-homeowner James Hutchins elected to repaint the house in an arguably garish shade of bubblegum pink with clashing lavender trim. The colour became a cause celeb for the little community. The war against bubblegum raged for months, with Hutchins being served a stop order on his paint job. He was eventually given a sample of acceptable pink, approved by his neighbours and the Landmarks Commission. Ironically, it was even brighter than the hue Hutchins had chosen for himself. In 2013, new owners gave the palace a fresh coat of pink in a more subtle tint, and presumably order was once again restored. Whether bubblegum or ballet slipper, coral or crepe, flamingo or fuchsia, the shade of colour never seemed to bother the pink palace's resident shade. But then again, if he's confined for eternity inside the house, there's really no reason that its bright exterior should be an issue. 1473 St. James Court is a rare opportunity for a rare kind of buyer. If you're looking for something frilly and feminine on the outside, yet dark and foreboding on the inside, the Pink Palace just might be the home for you. No need to invest in a high-tech security system. Mr. Avery has got you covered. Mm-hmm.